0: Those that we call experiencers of ET contact come from all walks of life. But one thing they all seem to have in common, and that's a sense of urgency. An urgency to do something. Messages that have been received by the experiencers themselves, no matter how they're conveyed, are pushing for some sort of movement to get underway. But what is this urgency all about, and why now? Co-authors of the book, Chosen, From the Alien Hybrid Program to the Fate of the Planet, Yvonne Smith and James Lowe also felt a sense of urgency in getting this book out to the masses. Yvonne, a well-respected UFO researcher, hypnotherapist, and founder of the Experiencer Support Group CERO, along with Jim, a practicing attorney and lifelong experiencer, are committed to bringing the messages of contact to the public. They, along with a multitude of other contactees, are convinced that something big is on the horizon. And in order to withstand whatever lies ahead, we must understand and accept the reality of this important and ever present phenomenon. You know, they say you should never judge a book by its cover. And although I believe that's almost always good advice, I'm going to take exception with the book that we are going to be discussing today, Chosen from the Alien Hybrid Program to the Fate of the Planet. has one of those book covers that is sure to draw you in. And let me tell you, what's on the inside, I would say, is brilliantly depicted by its luminous and mysterious or even anomalous cover. Yvonne and Jim, my guest today, based on the topic of this book, which we'll be getting into shortly, how did you decide on such a striking cover?
1: <laughs> well just um i was speaking to our publisher uh create Space, and um the art department i mean they're they're great they did my other book coronado um and they did a great job on that cover so you know i was just basically telling jim i would tell him. What the book is about and what we're trying to convey to the readers, and really, we want to uh, we don't want to just preach to the choir, but you know, capture the the mainstream audience about this phenomenon. And um, I think they did a great job,
2: mm-hmm. you know, uh,
1: they're very talented, so they are. And I agreed on the cover, and uh, we've had so many. Uh, comments, positive comments about it. So that's, you know, you have to sometimes step out of your comfort zone <laughs> mm-hmm. to convey a message.
0: Well, you and I were, we were talking offline briefly, and you were saying, because I had commented to you previously about the cover, and you said we didn't want to do the typical, you know, lights in the sky, craft in the sky, or, right. fig, uh, you know, E.T. F- figures that have been depicted, and I agree with you, um, but where do you go? But, again, I do think that perhaps the, the team at Space intuited what was on the inside, because I think it really does reflect... Um, a great deal of what we're gonna be getting into so well you know look although this book is replete with uh, convincing and complex firsthand testimony of those who we call experiencers those who have had contact with non-human intelligence and we're actually speaking uh, to someone right now who is an experiencer it didn't take me long to figure out what your message both of you was meant to convey that's one word urgency the urgency of mm-hmm. now, the urgency of now and how we, the public at large, better start paying attention to what the experiencers have to say. Am I on the am I on the right track with that, Yvonne and Jim? And, I'm, and by the way, I'm getting a little bit of feedback from one of you. I'm not sure. So I don't know if you have okay. any volume. We may want to turn the volume down a little bit, but no problem. I'm on my phone or? I guess. It may be, it may be, Jim, on your side. Just so I want to make sure the audience can hear you both loud and clear. Jim, you there?
2: Yes, I'm trying to figure out how to work on the volume.
0: Okay. All right. Well, while you're doing that, I'm going to ask, I'm going to put the question to Yvonne. Am I on the right track there? We're talking about a a book whose message is about urgency and how it's time to start listening to the experiencers and what they have to say. Oh,
1: absolutely. Because in the last five or so years, that's what I've been hearing from experiencers um, who don't know each other, you know, know brand new clients that come into my office office one after another, and they're saying the same thing to me, that I I decided to start looking into my experiences, if I have had experiences, because they're still not sure, um, because I I feel that I'm supposed to do something, I'm supposed to do something, but I don't know what it is, and they, they all tell me that they feel that there's something coming very soon, Nobody is given a timeline. Nobody is saying anything specific about a date. You know, we've heard that so many times with, oh, you know, the world's going to end in the year 2000. And, and, you know, we've heard it so many times from people saying, I have a prediction and then nothing happens. But this is different from the experiences because they are not giving a, a specific date or time. but They just know that there's something coming and they're supposed to do something. They're supposed to be a part of something. So that's what we wanted to convey in this book uh, because I thought it was important enough, as they're hearing it time and time again, to put it out there to the public. And in fact, last year when I was a speaker at the Congress, um, I, I once again decided to step out of my comfort zone and talk about this you know usually I talk about my case studies and you know different clients and what occurs and so forth Uh, but I decided I'm going to step out and and talk about this urgency and Jim had told me while I was speaking people in the audience were shaking their heads and saying, yeah I've heard that too and you know so it started a conversation which
0: right.
1: i was hoping it would
0: yeah i think it has i'm going to stop you there cuz i'm watching all a whole flurry of activity that i have a feeling is coming from our friend jim jim i can <laughs> I'm I'm chuckling cuz I can see whatever you're doing on the screen. I see you're trying to figure some things out, am I right? You still with us? Yes. Okay. Yes. Let let me Our audience is very forgiving, so we're going to we're going to digress for a minute cuz this is kind of, I'm chuckling cuz I'm watching everything you're doing. I don't know how you managed to put on um I can see your screen. <laughs> Let me ask oh, okay. you a question. Do you have headphones that you can put on by any chance? Because I think that might solve our problem. Then you can get back to focusing on the conversation. No, I don't.
2: Okay. I don't. I'm I turned have... it down. I turned down my volume.
0: Okay. I'm going to, I see it. Yeah. I'm going to have you stop doing that and don't worry about it. Okay. We're all, we're all good.
2: <laughs> okay. This is adorable. Sorry. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna... in a very quiet hotel room, so I'm surprised. <laughs>
0: Oh boy. Well, no, no worries. I I want you to, I want you to enjoy the conversation. So we're, we're, I think we're good. So, so we're talking about urgency um, and we're talking about other people that have listened to these sorts of conversations and talks that you've given Yvonne, uh, nodding their Mm -hmm. head in the affirmative. I I have a feeling it is, I was saying to you offline that there are a lot of folks that I'm, uh, that are uh, touching my life that have conveyed the same thing. And we're going to get into that. But before we do, you know what I want to do, Yvonne, is I want you to tell us about the impetus for how you got into this work. As a a licensed hypnotherapist, you discovered by working with many sufferers of PTSD, you realized that some of these individuals' trauma was attributed to their UFO encounters. Tell us about how this whole thing started for you.
1: Oh, it's, it's... You know, everybody asks me that and it's not something that um I could say, okay, I, I decided to do, you know, A B C D. Um I I started way back oh late eighties. Um, my mother knew about Bud Hopkins. Mm-hmm. You know, and my mom was um you know, my parents were very open minded and I was very fortunate to grow up, you know, being able to talk to my parents about things like ghosts and spirits and mm-hmm. all of this, and we'd get into a fun conversation, but she wanted to, me to go with her to see Bud Hopkins lecture. And at that time was the whole life expo that they were having it in Pasadena, which was right next door to where we live. So we went and I didn't know what his lecture was about. Uh, so as I sat there and I'm watching what he had on the screen, you know, he was showing the slide presentation, and I thought, oh, my God, you know, did people really, you know, go through this? And um, then I, I, I began looking into, because he was talking about hypnosis and regression, and I always thought, you know, hypnosis is interesting, but I'd only have the experience of You know, seeing stage hypnosis, so I never took it seriously until I watched Bud's lecture. And I started reading about it, and I decided I'm going to go to hypnotherapy college. And um, my goal really originally was to work with cancer patients, because my uncle had died uh, very recently back then, you know, in his 40s of cancer. Um, and I was with them every day in the hospital, and I thought, gee, as a hypnotherapist, I think I could help cancer patients. And one thing about me, I don't obsess about anything. I usually get bored before I obsess about anything. But it was this subject matter that it seemed to grab a hold of me, and I was trying to read up on information about ufos and different cases and bud's cases and will eventually uh make a, a very long story short he became my mentor mm-hmm. uh, i sat in on a few sessions with him and i started when i started my practice i had bud i had john mack right. i had uh david jacobs to bounce Things off of because I thought I need to know if I'm on the right track here. But what I was amazed when you brought up the PTSD that PTSD symptoms are all the same whether you are you have suffered a terrible accident, have been raped, have been you know sexually abused, which I've worked with many people uh, that this happened to, or alien abduction. Hmm. It's the symptoms are all the same. It's a trauma that people go through. Uh, So. That, for me, and still is, as a hypnotherapist, uh, my first goal is to get a person back on track with their lives. You know, we have to, even though I feel, and we discussed before, that this, what we're doing is real life. You know, out there in the mainstream world, it's to me, it's an illusion, you know, and people are living in their boxes, but still... These people that are having experiences, they have to go to work, they have to pay their bills, they have to pay taxes, so, you know, and in order to get them on track with their lives, my goal is to relieve them from this PTSD
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that they're able to sleep, able to go on, and even though, you know, I've explained to them that this is part of their life, I can't take it away. Um, many people say, you know, can you stop this? I wish I could for some people. Um, hmm. other people, they want to know more about their experiences and they're grateful for the fact that they're, you know, they, they've they been chosen, the, the title of the book, of course, chosen to have this experience. But um, for me, it's the, it's the healing of someone so they're able to live a life, a healthy life, and number two is the research.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and I'm going on my this year, um, I've been doing this now for 26 years.
0: Something and else. it's wow. amazing
1: to me how much time has gone by, but I feel that I was directed to do this work. I mean, it sounds I didn't, I never wanted to say that in the past, you know, but, oh, that sounds so woo woo to people, you know, but I feel now that I was supposed to be on
0: this path to do this work mm-hmm. well you know i want to interject something there because you're just you are just we're in sync in, incredibly with what you're talking about and segueing, i want to talk about your mom i wanted uh, i had planned on bringing your mom up mm-hmm. because you do mention in the book that she was very interested in these sorts of subjects long before you actually mm-hmm. got into this work now you know i've spoken with our mutual friend and colleague mary rodwell about the mm-hmm. intergenerational components of contact and also how even on a subconscious level of our very interest in the subject no matter when it appears may be indicative of contact do you know where i'm going with this what what are your thoughts on that because i think you said something that kind of you know it's definitely intergenerational and my
1: mother um was, was psychic um but it was in her generation it was it scared her you know she just shoved it aside she didn't want to pay attention to it but she was very psychic Um, and she told me when she was a little girl, she used to go up to my grandmother's roof and lie there and look up at the sky, at the stars and wonder what's out there. And it's like, I hear that from so many experiences, like a longing, they tell me, I feel like, you know, I want to go home or they feel Mm -hmm. homesick, but my mom would tell me things like that, you know, and, um, and it wasn't until I was starting to work with many cases that, it is indeed, you know, intergenerational, and I will not just work with one person, but I'll work with members of their family. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it was really my mom, I guess, who really opened it up for me by just saying, you know, let's go and see Bud Hopkins um, lecture. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, she loved going to, she would have loved the uh conscious life expos. Mm-hmm. Um, but Um I guess back you know, back in the day they were whole life expos. Right. But That's she we we went to a few of those and um and then she would have loved to have gone to the ones now, you know, because she enjoyed all the metaphysical mm-hmm. um you know the everything that you know psychic readings and, you know, pyramids and she was just, you know, really interested in that. Um and, and my dad, although he wasn't, you know, he I don't think he was psychic or anything. It came, all came from my mother's side. He was very open mm-hmm. to, we all discussed this. And then when I started doing my work and I started doing interviews on television, they were both excited. They would tell their friends and the family, tune in to such and such channel, because you know, back then in the 90s, we have so many shows, Sightings, Encounters. I mean, we have so many That's shows right, right. that featured, you know, UFOs, abduction, and and then the other, you know, uh, other subjects, um, uh, metaphysical and so forth. So we really, I was on television all the time as were my serial members, my support group members, you know, being interviewed, and my parents were very proud. Mm-hmm. So I feel very, very fortunate about that.
0: That that's a, a beautiful uh, thing to have a support network. I, I, I'm thinking of my mom and dad and many of my audience members have heard me tell a very similar story. And I bet our parents would have been dear friends. Because I too grew <laughs> up in a very I, I call it an inquisitive and alternative household where I was, a, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sat down at the table when I was too young to, uh, to really get into the conversation, or when I got old enough to get into the conversation, they welcomed me talking about these things, uh, UFOs, and they introduced me to Whitley Strieber's communion and the Seth material. Absolutely. So we'll have uh-huh. to talk about that more offline. Absolutely. I went to meditation that it was a family outing at 13. So Oh, <laughs> absolutely. that is Great. Yeah, yeah. So it isn't That's that isn't. I miss I miss my parents and I, mean,
1: I yeah. lost them both. And I wish they were still here. You know, I mean, I'm living
0: in my mom's house now. So I feel like she's around me all the time. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm li- <laughs> Okay, we're it's we're gonna funny. we're not gonna bore the audience, but we're definitely gonna have to have right. a check in. I'm starting to get some chills on my arm here. I know, me
1: too. Oh, but I we'll
0: do it. that. We'll have to get together and discuss everything it, it just
1: to me, it's all connected and it synchronicities and um, and Jim could talk about his sy- synchronicities, and but it happens to all experiencers, and it's, yes. it's amazing. Um, you know that the synchronicities that we all experience and we we are all connected.
0: I feel we are definitely all connected. The continuum of consciousness is uh, revealing itself. Well, listen, Jim, I want to now turn to you, sir. (laughs) You were the co-author on this lovely book and you also wrote a very thoughtful, thoughtful chronology of your own interest and involvement in the subject. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about your connection to all of this?
2: I'm pretty much a lifelong experiencer, um, it, and I, I detail a lot of that in my chapter of the book, um, having a family that saw ghosts all the way back to my grandmother, great grandmother, that kind of thing. And so, you know, whether they're ghosts or whether they're not, or whether it's all connected, I don't know, but, uh, uh, grew up with having experiences, um, as opposed to a lot of experiencers that you read about 99% of 99 and a half percent of my experiences are con that I remember are conscious memories, not from, um, mm. uh, hypnotherapy. Well, mm-hmm. I, I really, you know, hit, hit the jackpot when I met Yvonne and, and joined Sarah. Um, most of my experiences, Uh, with Sarah, been through the support group. And I I was one of those people uh, back in the, you know, a little bit after 2010 that started feeling, you know, this urgency that I needed to do something. And at first it was Mm. more unfocused, but it got me involved in helping Yvonne write the book, uh, even though I'm still a practicing lawyer and I practice election law and local government law. Mm. So it's, it's not an area where you, 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 you tout, you know, unusual things about yourself, but I, it it literally became, you know, the most important thing in my life. Mm. And, uh, so, uh, the book was part of it and, uh, I would have liked to have had more time to write it, but Yvonne just kept saying we've got to get this done we've got to get this done we've got to get it out of there you know I felt that urgency
1: to get it done definitely
2: yeah yeah and so uh there was the urgency I felt inside of myself and then there was the legal writer who everything has to be absolutely perfect down to you know 7,000 footnotes and uh I, I guess that writing is not meant for this kind of book but uh it all worked out in the long run and uh, even down to the cover. Right. Which uh, sure did. Uh, the cover to me shows uh, of this experience, these experiences many times happen to you when you're most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think that cover captures that. Mm-hmm.
0: I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I actually literally I'm looking at it right now and we'll make sure that we have an image on the screen for people to see Um really stared at it yesterday and trying to draw a word picture as to you know how this is married so well to what's inside of the book and what's inside of the individuals having the experiences and what I get is you know I see this as a human hand with a very sort of thin veil between them and everything else and the occupants of that everything else and but it's clear There's there's a clearness there, which means that it can be penetrated and it can be connected. It's very, it's very, it's incredible. To me, this is an award-winning cover. We're not going to just talk about the cover, folks. We will get into the book. But, you know, <laughs> be- be- before we get any further, I, I know uh, Jim mentioned Ciro. And for those in the audience, uh, Yvonne, that are not familiar with what that stands for, mm-hmm. I can tell them Close Encounter Research Organization. That is your incredible organization. Give us a snapshot uh, about Ciro and uh, what you do. Well, um,
1: as I mentioned, I've been doing this now my 26th anniversary this month.
0: Congratulations! And
1: thank you. And Zero, uh, my support group is now in its 25th year. Um, I the reason I founded the support group. I when I started my practice, uh, I I started realizing that people were leaving my office and not. Able to talk to anyone about their experiences, they felt very isolated. Uh, they couldn't talk to a spouse many times, which was unfortunate, or family members, and certainly not coworkers. So, um, I a, a year after I started my practice, I decided, you know, I'm going to try to put something together where people can um, join, you know, join in if they want to, like minded people. And talk about their experiences in a in a safe uh, environment. And uh, we started. You know, I had about maybe six people in my living room. <sighs> I was married at the time, and then I realized when you know we had our first meeting that you know if this is going to work, it has to be consistent. So um, you know, we tried a night. After like during the week, after work, that was too hard for people. Then Saturday, people were running around doing errands. Then I thought, you know, Sunday seems to be a good day for everybody. And so for 25 years, we've been doing the meetings every fourth Sunday of the month. Oh,
2: wow.
1: And, you know, we, as I mentioned, we started, yeah, it has to be consistent. So people can mark their calendars. And, and know that, that we're going to have a meeting on that day unless they hear from me, mm-hmm. unless I'm out of town or, you know, it's a major holiday, something like that. Right. We just had a meeting, our first meeting of 2018 yesterday. Beautiful. Um, we've been doing that, you know, we were in the beginning, in the early days, where we are having the meetings in my home, and then after I got divorced, uh, they, uh, you know, I decided, well, I better really look around, because we have we have members coming in from all areas and have people driving in from other states to attend the meetings Mm. because you don't find a support group meeting you know support group in every state Mm. so we have two locations in southern california now and we and we uh trade off you know one to the other every month so it's it's worked and um like we we get new members all the time. We had a new member come in yesterday. Uh, so you know, as long as I can do this, for as long as I can do this, I
0: will. I um, oh, Because I think it's, it's, we're getting some. I'm going to stop you. We're getting a, some ma- oh, major feedback okay. here. You still you still tinkering around there, Jim? I'm g-
2: <laughs> no, I haven't touched a thing. That's
0: interesting. Okay, I think we're good. But you know I
1: mean. what? You know what, Alexis? I have to say that that when Jim and I are on the phone with each other or we're trying to email each other, something happens. That's we get, something. you know, something drops off or you know, he's had major problems with his computer. So I don't know. It may be, you know, yeah, we, something we else yeah,
0: I understand. I uh, believe me. I've had this myself, particularly when we're getting into a conversation that is controversial. <laughs> uh, yes. And enlightening. <laughs> i call it the skype gremlins maybe the cell phone gremlins the wherever they are Um, uh, maybe there's someone that doesn't want us to talk about it but we're going to continue anyway so I, let me ask you a question about your your membership i'm just curious if you can um if you can let me know how what would be like the longest member how how many years has the longest member <laughs> been associated with zero because i think that would be really oh. somewhat telling
1: Several. I've got probably a handful, five, six members that have been members for twenty, twenty five 25 years. Really? And I still have contact with them. They'll come to the meetings. Um, you know, people will leave for whatever reason and they come back after several years. I've had that happen recently. Uh, so it's just when I see this, I feel like, okay. Yvonne, you're, you're on the right track, you know, you're, you're doing this for a reason, it is the right thing to do. So, um, you know, I'll, even though, I must say, with, when you're going through these experiences, um, it is very difficult on a relationship, on a marriage, many times, I mean, I, I was divorced, unfortunately. That um, I think it was just what I was doing was just, too much for my husband, my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel bad many times because my boys were little when I started my practice and and my in zero, and, and what I became very involved. and many times i I left on the weekend to go speak at a conference because the conferences are held usually on a long weekend. But my boys now, you know, they're they're grown up and it, especially my young ones. Mom, I, you know, I would have been very disappointed in you if you'd given up your practice, mm. you know, to save your marriage. Said, I'm really, you know, proud of you. Mm. And so, you know, but, you know, you have that mom guilt, like, oh, my God, I should have been home more. You know, I shouldn't have been traveling so much. Um, but, you know, my, my boys have grown up. They're wonderful adults you know, and I never had problems with them, and Mm. so... I guess it's you know the universe or the powers that be paved the way for me. Absolutely, I guess is well, how this I should is,
0: look at it. This isn't something I, I say this of people like yourself and those particularly in the in the caregiving, uh, any aspect of it, uh, medical field and nurses in particular. Mm-hmm. You don't wake up and say, "Oh, I think I'll do this." This is a calling. There's no question about it. And you know your exactly. answer. Your answer about uh, several of your members have been coming for over two decades. To me is very telling because what that says mm-hmm. is that whatever is happening has happened and maybe is continuing to so many individuals is so powerful that it's not, you can't look at it in a vacuum. This is something that is life changing right. and people are grasping at straws to figure out what on earth is going on. So, uh, yeah. well, you know, I want to get, cause time is just taken by real quick. I want to get into the meat of this book. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, <laughs> The book is filled with explicit testimony of experiencers, but inclusive of that is a whole section dedicated to the hybrid program. And how many of these individuals believe that they have parented hybrid babies? So let's talk about that. Just just how prevalent is this phenomenon, uh, the hybrid program, either or both of you I'd like to hear from.
2: Um, Jim, you wanna go or? No, you go ahead. You've You've got more experience. <laughs> Excuse
1: me. Um, I, I feel that everyone who who has been touched by this experience has had uh, overtaken, sperm taken. They've been shown babies, children different ages, when they're subsequently abducted again. Uh, I feel now, over the years, as many years I've been doing this, that this is very central to the alien agenda. <laughs> um, I'm always asked, "Well, what? You know, why are they producing hybrids? What? You know, I wish I had that answer. Uh, you know, that's the million-dollar question. Uh, I don't. I don't feel it's anything cynical, anything, um anything." Negative in a way where you know it's it's going to be invasion of the body snatchers type thing. They're going to take us over. Um, maybe that's wishful thinking on my part, but I don't I don't feel it's evil um, in any way. I just wish, and I ask them all the time, you know, tell me what you're doing so I could help these people further.
0: You're speaking you know, to the to these, You're speaking to the quote unquote ETs or what I call NHIs, not yeah. even Really? So you have posed that question directly to that that faction.
1: I have, know. because experiencers have when they talk to these beings, you know, they sometimes will get an answer um or an indication that they're around. So um, and they they are fully aware of my work, um, and so I've, I'll every once in a while, you know, I'll ask, you know, especially if I have really difficult um, cases where, you know, I mean, some of these sessions become very intense, and um, and I, you know, it's it just I use a lot of my energy to get people through these sessions and. Uh, sometimes it just, oh my gosh! By the end of the day, you know, I can't even think anymore. But at the same time, it energizes me when I see that there's, um, you know, there's improvement, you know, and I see that people are are able to move on. But I, so I ask them, you know, can you know, give me some information? Tell me what you're doing. I, you know, um, we need some answers. But I'm still waiting. <laughs> I haven't received mm. anything yet. But I wonder you know, why people yeah. do. People do ask. People will ask sure. for give me a conscious I want I wanna be conscious when I when you come and get me next time. But I always tell people, be careful what you ask for.
0: Right. <laughs> because
1: right. I think there's a reason why they do paralyze people and why they do uh, you know, try to erase some of their memory um mm-hmm. uh, because I have, I have a client who I have had her for many years, and she asked and asked and asked for conscious. And when she, when it happened, when she was conscious, when this the next abduction happened, she said, oh, my God. Mm. She said, I couldn't believe how terrified I was because I thought I was ready. So that's why I tell people, just be careful.
0: Right. <laughs> you know, make sure you're ready. You know, th- there seems to be this elusiveness that is that just permeates this whole story. I, and I know in the book you talk about we're going to get into, again, getting back to this idea of urgency on the part of experiencers to, to get on with whatever it is they believe they're to do. But along with that, there's this nebulousness about what it is they're to do. And I, I know that you referenced in the book several times that what they would get back is when it's time for you to know – you'll know yep. this yeah. secrecy, you know, we we talk about government secrecy, but this is an, yeah. an even bigger secrecy. This elusiveness is what I'd call it. I just don't know where, well, I suppose, depending on how you look at the whole phenomenon being something that's benevolent or not uh, perhaps for a pot on the positive side, it's a protection mechanism uh, when they feel we individually or en masse already we will have uh, more revelations so it's very interesting well you know look some of this testimony in the book is clearly disturbing because you took actual word-for-word accounts and put it in this book Mm -hmm. and put it in the book and chosen and at times you really feel the pain and fear that some of these individuals have gone through how does this affect or even the process of getting this down on paper how did that affect each of you hearing all of
2: this Jimmy, you want to go? Well, for, for, for me, you know, I actually had an experience where um, I had uh, – I was awoken. Um, I went to bed early and got up um, – or was just going to bed, and two military jets were flying over my house at about 1,000 feet with afterburners on. And uh, they were crisscrossing over a spot – And uh, a very bright light rose from that spot and started coming towards me from maybe two miles, three miles away. And I knew what it was. And uh, no noise coming right at me. And uh, I, I was at the point where I was saying, I want consciously to see them. I want to, you know, have the experience where I'm consciously aware. And when the light got you know, about halfway to me, I said, "No, I'm not ready for this," and mm-hmm. it went out just like that. Mm-hmm. Disappeared. The jets went away, and uh, so mm-hmm. we all think we are. But uh, I, I think that this the the entire hybrid program. It may still be going. It may not. I think this urgency part of it, and uh, you know, other other researchers have found. You know, similar similar conclusions um, and other experiencers, such as Susie Hansen from New Zealand and mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, uh, I can't think of the woman's name from uh, Wisconsin right now, wrote a book, The Forgotten Pro- Sherry Wilde. Yes, and, of course. Uh, Well-known book. And then David Jacobs, uh, who has an entirely different take, feels that the hybrid program is going away and other Other things are coming forward. The difference between David's thesis and what I believe is that whether the hybrid program is going away or not, there's this new emphasis, and you get so many people. I remember Yvonne, uh, I encouraged her to send out a group email to the SARO members about urgency, Mm -hmm. and the response was amazing. And many of the members were saying, I was ready to send you this. It's amazing you asked me. And huh, yeah. uh, that there are, it's like time is running out for humanity and uh, they can't consciously intervene. They want us to do it. Yeah. And so we're all we're all struggling with what we're doing. I'm writing a book right now on um, civil rights aspects of of uh, experiencers. You know, I'm, I, I practice civil rights law, uh, mostly defending governments and police officers but uh, I also do First Amendment cases and election cases. So, you know, I, th- there are government policies that have been around since the early 50s that were that they deliberately came to the conclusion that they needed to watch UFO people and uh, surveil yeah. them. That's, you know, the Robertson panel. Everyone talks about it, you know, is is uh, a UFO thing, but. Frankly, I see it as a civil rights thing.
0: Absolutely. Oh, that is great that you're doing, that you're tackling that body of work. That is really something. Well, you know what? I'm going to jump right now because I think the timing is perfect uh, to bring in, speaking of government, secrecy and UFOs. We all know now about the article that was released late last year, December 16th, to be exact, by the New York Times and then other publications and news outlets followed suit. Um, This is a in some camps, big news and others are kind of, eh, we'll see, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but <clears throat> I, I want to get both of you your weigh ins on the significance of this. And perhaps most importantly, juxtaposing um, this announcement, if you will, along with the experience or ground up sort of disclosure that I, many of us agree are is the most significant. What are your thoughts on the, the coming together of all of this? And, you know, is this a shot in the dark, or are we looking at moving into a new paradigm, you think, with all that's going on? Oh, you know, what?
1: can I go ahead, Jim, or do you want to go? Yeah, you
0: well, Yeah, you go first. I'd please. like both to hear from both of you. Go ahead, Yvonne.
1: Okay. Um, you know, I knew that this was going to come up during our interview, and so um, I took advantage of asking the group yesterday, mm. you know, what they thought about, um, you know, this article that came out with about Harry Reid and the Pentagon and so forth, and most of them were, um, you know, a couple of people had said they it's very controlled information that the government wants to control the information that comes forward uh, with this subject matter. Um, others had said, you know, it's it's for the masses. It's for, you know, in other words, people that are still in kindergarten that have not. No knowledge of UFOs. Never look up in the sky. Don't think about it. And they're, you know, they're they're spilling out this information little by little. Um, none of them has felt that it was. Oh, this is going to be. This is a sign of disclosure. I feel the same way. You know, it was like the UFO field started buzzing about it. And to me, it's like you know, relax, everybody. This is you know, this is, doesn't mean full disclosure. I feel in working so intimately with experiencers and putting out our book, you know, about the urgency that um, disclosure is going to come through the experiencers Mm -hmm. with people coming forward like Jim and other people. I've worked with doctors and, you know, many prominent people that the general public would be shocked if they thought, Oh my God, my, you know, My neurosurgeon is an abductee, you know, that type of thing. Um, I feel that it's going to come that way. I, you know, the United States government still has not acknowledged this, really. They haven't put out any of their files. We're talking about Russia yesterday and Putin. And one of my members had said that he read somewhere that Putin was about to disclose about ETs and so forth. Well, Russia's put out some of their files a few years ago and the United States doesn't want Putin to be the first one. So that's why they wanted Mm. to, you know, to send out this information when they did. Now, whether that's true or not, who knows, but um, you know, United States is is still, you know, not, uh, you know, releasing anything except for when this happened on December 16th. So, I'm one of those and I think most of the serial members are going, eh, you know, mm-hmm. it let's just wait. This is you know, let's just wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim, I know you and I discussed this. Go
2: ahead, Jim. I um I th- <clears throat> it's interesting. For one thing, uh, the just, the article came out on my sixty fifth birthday. Oh wow. So I <laughs> I found a little irony <laughs> with that. But uh, <laughs> yes. Happy that birthday. Is, thank you. It yeah. was sort of my Great point. And I'm moving a different direction, and, and I've spent, you know, three three and a half decades being a lawyer and spending a lot of time and pretty much being a workaholic and enjoying my job. And now I'm sort of turning the switch and going another direction. I see the article for one thing. We're we're talking about, as you said in your commentary recently. I think it was January 10th, Alexis. You know, $22 million is a drop in the bucket Mm. in the black program. And so it was the head of that black program that came forward. And then a senator from Nevada, a very important former senator, comes out and agrees with it in some of the subsequent articles that, you know, Congress needs to do something. But then you got lots of blowback from DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency officials and other articles. And so mm-hmm. to me, it was just a little breadcrumb, you know, on the way to, you know, full disclosure. But mm-hmm. for, for a couple reasons, I think the government and their secrecy is running out of time. Number one, you've got the Webb telescope is going up at the end of this mm-hmm. decade. And it's going to be able to find habitable planets and some of the other efforts i won't bore everyone with all the different you know scientific missions they're going to find it and uh, the scientists will be a lot more open to them being here once they uh, you know they're the smartest people in the class and they 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 feel important like we all do and so they need you know they're they're big kids and they need to find this out for themselves and once they do i think that's going to be a bigger step towards disclosure because once people realize that they're out there, everyone's going to say, well, have they been here? So they're running out of time. And so mm-hmm. I see this as just a breadcrumb going that direction. Mm-hmm. But it was also interesting mm-hmm. that, the, <coughs> excuse me, the two um, media sources that sort of set the tone for American policy, the New York Times and the Washington Post, The New York Times is the one that released this, and, you know, when the um, uh, Project Blue Book was closed down under the Condon Report back in 1969, I believe it was, the New York Times science editor wrote the preface for it, which most people didn't read past the preface to see that it was a pretty flawed study, and it was so you know, it's funny the New York Times, but if you read, I, I especially paid attention to the Washington Post, and they're still the most derogatory,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, in media mm-hmm. outlet possible. And so, you know, I I don't see this as a calculated plan to, you know, uh, you know, we're going to get it out this year or something. I just see it as is one of those little steps that people in the inside are realizing that. You know, I better get off this train before it goes off the rails. Sure. And it may not go off the rails for 20 years, but it will go off the rails. Well, and so, get, get, yeah, I, I see it that, yeah, res, that respect. Yeah, yeah
0: good Good uh, insight. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're really quite the uh, cornucopia of information on the history here i'm gonna have to pick your brain a little bit more well you know there's not
2: much left at 65
0: (laughs) oh i i'm gonna disagree with you there i have a feeling there's a lot more that you will uh impart to us and learn along the way but you know you said a lot there and i I, look i think everyone Mm -hmm. particularly in the ufology community are grasping at straws trying to figure out what the true impetus for this was i'm one of them and one of the things i've sort of put out there uh, as a question mark is, you know, when you th- when you see certain things happening on a, on what I call the exoteric or surface level, you know, we, we look at, <clears throat> excuse me, cause and effect, you know, as the natural course. And yet, I always have this sense, I've always had this sense that perhaps there is another impetus that we cannot see or quantify from an esoteric that uh perspective that may be driving these things unbeknownst to those that are so calculated in putting information out for whatever reason so you know when you put all of these elements together you know again the the, the announcement which was very what i call mechanized but along <laughs> with this sense of urgency that has come long before the article was ever dreamed of coming out. i yeah, think exactly. all of these elements together say there may be something else driving all of it what are your thoughts on that? Something that's not here. I agree.
2: I, I think you're. I think you're right on. Uh, I think you're right on. It. It. I've been doing a lot of reading from the the 40s and 50s on UFOs lately, and it was interesting. They speculated that you know if there are flying saucers, they may be from a planet that's 500 years ahead of us. Mm. And you know now with the hist- you know how the age of the universe. You know, they may be a billion years or two billion years. Mm, of and I mean, so, amazing. you know, we, uh, I always analogize that we're in the lobby of the Rockefeller Center and we're wearing blindfolds and we're trying, and we're standing near the elevators trying to figure out what's going on on the 55th floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, listening to people getting off elevators, right. not knowing where they're from. I mean... You know, we're, we're, I think experiencers are ahead of everyone, and including yeah. the government, you know, because of the yeah. government's, you know, secrecy is they're so compartmentalized. But even we don't know. And that's one of the reasons I enjoy being in CERO is, you know, the group, we don't have a set answer. <laughs> we, yeah. you know, right. Right the wise person is the one that knows what they don't know that's right oh
0: i amen to that (laughs) i always say that (laughs) and and i say you know as humans bless our hearts we're always chasing the answer and perhaps we will never have it but if you can be okay with that i think we'll learn more is that the goal to to learn the ultimate answer maybe there isn't an ultimate answer (laughs) maybe there it's all wheels in motion so yeah very, very well put. Well, let's see. I, I, so many things that I'm not going to get to. Uh, so, this, at, this may warrant a part two and beyond. So, I hope you're open to coming back. But I want to sure. talk about we talked a little bit offline, uh, Yvonne and Jim, about experiencers that may not realize their experiencers yet. You know, I've always wondered whether even more people. Millions, maybe billions may also be experiencers, but they're not conscious of it yet. In fact, even those who stand to ridicule the subject and the individuals who report uh, and they they ridicule the individuals who report having contact may be experiencers themselves and not know it. Mm -hmm. And you talk about this sense of urgency on the part of conscious experiencers, but also this sort of, I don't know what to do. I just know I'm supposed to do something well, maybe this could be one of the important things that conscious experiencers can contribute to society at large, and that's to help rouse awareness of those who are what I call unconscious experiencers. What are your thoughts? I,
1: yeah, I, I think you're right. I I know, I mean, this is in the millions. I mean, it's, this mm-hmm. is more widespread than people re- realize, Um You know, and I I feel that the people that ridicule or they get angry just hearing about the subject, I feel that, um, you know, that anger is indicative of something. I mean, they're, you know, they're they're trying not to acknowledge something that they may know unconsciously um, or subconsciously. Because uh, I've seen it so many times with family members or spouses, where they don't even want to talk about the experience, hmm. and um, because their kids are, you know, they and of course with parents, I can't, you know, they 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 can't protect. They feel they like can't protect their their children, and they really can't. You know, I just tell them they're going to come. They want to come in and take take you. They're going to come and take you. Um, cause I, people are sleeping with guns under their pillow and
2: hmm.
1: all sorts of things. And I tell them, "Oh my God, you got to be really careful with that." But wow, it, this is so widespread that one in fifty adults or one in fifty people, you know, have had the experience. I tell people, you have you know a hundred people in your office, um, you know, one or two people are going to be experiencers and that's that's pretty widespread, and this is this is all over the world, of course, so um, I think there are people, many people who knows how many that are not consciously aware that they have had the experience um I think many of them have a hint of something strange, especially since childhood, and um you know they're not acknowledging it yet or they're not ready to this is such a a complex subject and i, I mean i think i picked the the most difficult line of work that i could have picked mm-hmm. in in working you know as a therapist because you know i'm getting into i mean intimately into the person's mind and background and you know regressing them back to a time where they remember bits and pieces of something very frightening. Um, So a lot of trust has to be there, you know, and the person has to be skilled in when doing a regression because you, you know, it is so sensitive. So I think you're right in, in the experiencers opening up, like, people like Jim are coming forward saying, you know, okay, I, you know, I'm done with my legal career, my medical career. This is more important. I, I need to get this out. I need to talk about it. And it really does is opening doors for other people mm-hmm. I uh, agree. that are perhaps, you know, Oh my God, it, you know, I think this happened to me, or it has this happened to me. Uh, you know, what I find interesting is, People who have put this on the back burner for so many years, they will come to me because now their children are starting to say some strange things.
2: Mm. And
1: usually children around the ages of four and five will start saying things like something came into my room or I saw the little doctors in my room or, you know, something that the person, the parent is going, oh, my God, sounds like when I was growing up. You know, and they have to, now they have to deal with their own experiences in order to help their children. I've exactly. had that so many
0: times. Wow. That is, that's fascinating. Really, you're doing some important work. And and Jim, again, I want to thank you for your your courage in coming mm-hmm. forward in your, and you're your so necessary. I want everyone to know, you know, again, we have got to get over this idea of, Um, I'm ashamed as a professional to admit something that's out of the status quo or out of the ordinary. That is perhaps one of the reasons why they, you know, the proverbial they, whomever they are, the non-human intelligence, don't want to give us more. We have got to get ourselves to that point. And so the work that you both are doing are integral to that. You know, Grant Grant Cameron, my my friend, I call him my friend, I only interviewed him once, but I just love Grant, love talking to him, Cameron. Oh, he's he's. Great. Amazing. We have a
1: great respect for him. Absolutely.
0: He wrote the forward to your book, and he said, quote, readers should digest every word of this book as it contains key clues in the answer to the UFO mystery. And that's a very strong endorsement for those looking for those clues. And from where I sit, I I, I think there's clearly a growing number of people from all walks of life that are now interested in this subject. Would would you agree, and particularly, uh, uh, Yvonne, with Ciro, you're able to really sort of... Monitor the the ebbs and flows of the membership. Have you seen what you would call an exponential rise in membership interest? Both. What do you think? Oh Lee? sure.
1: Oh okay. absolutely. It is, uh, and and we have people from all walks of life. I mean, mm-hmm. my new member is he's, he's in the PhD program at UCLA. You know, mm-hmm. um, we you know we have people that own their own businesses and you know in. Law work and medical, I mean, the medical field, just from all walks of life, and um, like I said, that's what people like. You know, those people that are that are going to be coming forward, like people like Jim. I mean, that's what's going to open it up more and more. And I think Jim's right that that the time for the secrecy is, um, you know, is getting shorter and shorter. I I think that's maybe what they, what the experiences are feeling that, you know, Mm. something is, you keep telling me something's going to happen. Something's coming down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that too, because I, I felt like that, you know, like Jim reminded me how I was pressed, you know, we got to get this book done. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, I felt like it needed to be out. People needed to read about this.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that, um, Everyone listening to the show will take advantage uh, of uh, this great discussion, get this great book and let it rouse perhaps some awareness, some memory in you if it does in fact exist. Tell everyone where where they can pick up a copy of the book.
1: Um, On Amazon. Okay. It's available on Amazon. And um, Jim and I are going to be at the um, International Youth Food Conference.
0: Oh, in great. Scottsdale Excellent. From, you both will be yeah, there. Excellent. Um, We'll, we'll both
1: be there' we'll ha- we have a book table um, I, I will I'm, I will not be a lecturer this year but last year I'm proud to say that I was the recipient of the um, life achievement award oh fantastic and um, I'm very proud of that because I you know I've been coming to the Congress for a very long time but I will be hosting the experience sessions every morning uh, there at the Congress and I'd be all'll be doing um, uh, regression sessions as well oh, I mean people come weird. from other countries just to come to the experiential sessions there Right. so it's, it's uh, I think it's one of the most important things that we do um, there at this conference and I started doing these experience sessions at other conferences uh, in other words I mean in, uh, for example in Roswell uh, I'm coming up on my third year doing the experience sessions but I've been lecturing in Roswell for since the 50th anniversary wow so um it's good so i hope you know your listeners are be able to join us there um at the uh conference in in scottsdale
0: we will make sure to have a link i'm sure many in our audience are familiar with the uh the landmark uh uh, ufo congress in arizona and i myself will be jetting out to la to attend the conference conference the conscious life expo where i I typically cover and so unfortunately i won't be able to make it but i think i'm going to have to have that on my calendar for next year for sure absolutely yeah well so glad to hear that you both are participating in that so let me say again yvonne smith james low thanks so much for being here today and for adding to the tapestry of this big mysterious and important subject we appreciate you both
1: Thank you so thank much you. for having us. We really appreciate it.
2: Great. You and have good you. programs.
0: Thank you. Thanks. Well, thanks to my audience for they're, they're what makes it great for me. So I appreciate it. I do appreciate all of you out there in the Higher Journeys audience. We'll talk to you real soon. Take care.